0: Who's ready to dance? Tom Izzo and Michigan State are back in March Madness for the 25th straight college basketball season. Do the Spartans have a run in them this time around? We will discuss on episode 105 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon champion Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel with you on Tuesday, Izzo 14th, 2023. And it's the best time of the year, gentlemen. The brackets are out. Final four picks are being made. Upsets are being plotted. What a time it is to be alive! Uh, you ready for March Madness proper, Kyle?
1: I'm looking at the bracket as we speak. Um, not not ready yet, but I'll I'll get there. I got to figure out those those upsets. I like I like the one seats too much. You know, it's like I'm, I'm trending towards picking too many of them, and I got to work against it and and find some more of these upsets.
0: Hot, hot take. The, uh, the one seeds look good on paper. That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Matt, what's up? Uh, you've still got football on the mind and we'll get to a little bit of football here at the end of the show. Did you, uh, did you get Mel Tucker's final four picks by chance?
2: Uh, no, that question did not come up yesterday, but I would wager to guess he would have, uh, penciled in uh, Michigan state, um, without a doubt. He had, uh, he, he talked after Tom and and was lauding his, uh, obvious career achievements. So, um, no, we don't know who Mel's got on, on his bracket.
0: Can we, can we make a final four out of Mel's previous stops? Well, Alabama, right. We can put them in there. We can put Michigan state in there. Uh, LSU and Georgia, not in the tournament. I don't, th- I don't, I think that's all we got there. So no, Miami of Ohio, not <laughs> in,
2: let's go. Let's <laughs> just go with the- Was he at Kent state ever? No, no, it wasn't. He- I thought it was Miami of Ohio. I okay. thought Kent State was the uh, place, uh, you know, I used to have this memorized back in the day, but uh apparently my my memory is failing me. But uh, uh <laughs> nope. So Michigan State, <laughs> Miami of Ohio, LSU, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Colorado, and MSU again. Wow. Well, not, a good-
0: not
1: a lot of good hoop schools in there.
0: No. No, all we can do is account for two of them in there. So there we go. Mel Tucker's got Michigan State and Alabama in the final four. We can go with that at least. Uh, let's see today on the podcast, we're going to uh, discuss Michigan State's draw in the NCAA tournament. We'll probably touch on their, uh, disappointing loss in the big 10 tournament just off the top here. Take a look at the, uh, their road ahead. Uh, Give give you some quick, brief, first take, final four picks, maybe some upset specials to take in your brackets. And then, as I said, Matt has some football takeaways. He spoke with a bunch of players today and Mel Tucker yesterday. So just some updates as Michigan State football gets ready for spring practice. Appreciate everyone for listening here today. Uh, If you're a College Hoops fan, this is the best time of the year. And uh, for Michigan State, it's always a great time of year. Michigan State always has a chance to do some damage in March. Tom Izzo has proven that time and time again. And it really doesn't matter what seed they're at uh, have not made the final four since 2019. And that's the only time they've made it past the first weekend, uh, here in, in recent years. So Michigan state looking to make a run, but Kyle, let's look back a little bit here. Uh, we talked last week about how the Spartans were probably seemed to be pretty motivated this group to try and make a run, get some hardware of their own. And instead we get a quarterfinal game against a red hot Ohio state team, where Michigan State uh, really was not uh, was outplayed throughout the game. Uh, they allowed Ohio State to, to get loose from three. Buckeyes really just played with more energy. They played like the more desperate team. Um, and Michigan State, I think, A.J. Hogard, not a great performance at point guard, and Malik Hall uh, not really looking like himself. So if you're looking at that game, th- those were the two things that sort of stood out to me from a Michigan State standpoint.
1: Yeah, I mean, Ohio State playing its third game in three days um, and finding out, you know, pretty soon before the game that it wouldn't have Bryce Sensabaugh, its leading score and rebounder, uh, came out and, like you said, played harder, I thought, than Michigan State and looked like the team that wanted it more. And that's, um, I understand how you could be troubled by that because that's not what I expected. Um, I, I thought when they got that draw, it was pretty fortunate for them um, and that that was about as favorable a, a matchup as you could get uh, in the Big Ten tournament, but they couldn't take advantage. Uh, like you said, I thought AJ Hogard, uh looked just out of sorts, um, and and everyone kind of followed. A lot of people kind of followed suit behind him. Uh, Malik Hall physically just didn't look right. I mean, they they were kind of pulling him in the second half, even just because he wasn't moving the way he was used to. Um, you know, the shots weren't falling like they have been, but you know that's not the reason why they lost. You know, uh, Ohio State defended them well. They couldn't get good shots off, and I don't think Michigan State defended with the uh, with the energy or intensity that it needs to uh, this time of year. So I I understand it was disappointing. I understand, I know it was a good opportunity to make it a run in the in the Big Ten tournament, although Purdue played pretty well. I'm not sure they would have gotten past them anyway. But a, if if you're looking for silver linings, um, if anything, it's kind of a wake up call before March Madness because they were playing really well um you know I don't think that it had changed their mindset but sometimes I think a loss like that can refocus you a little bit and and I think best case scenario you're hoping that's what happened to this team before you know before one loss ends your season
0: three and six three for 16 from three after shooting up over 50 percent in the previous three games uh Ohio State was over 50 percent from three uh yeah just really couldn't get going and A.J. Hogard I mean that was a lot of a talk after uh we saw the animated conversation on the bench with Izzo and Hogard I know Izzo was asked about that yesterday and uh, said that's just kind of like heat of battle stuff. But I mean, what did you make of that whole exchange and what did Tom have to say about it? Because as AJ, Ho- we've seen it throughout the season, Kyle, as AJ Hogard goes, this team goes.
1: Well, I mean, this is, it would not be March without us over analyzing a Tom Izzo player interaction. Right. I mean, we did it with, uh, with Aaron Henry in 2019. We did it with Gabe Brown in 2021. I guess we missed one last year. Um, so <laughs> Um, didn't check that box, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is how things work, um, in Michigan state basketball world. And it's different from how things work in most other places, you know, workplaces, you know, schools, whatever people don't generally interact this way, but this is how Tom Izzo and his players interact. And AJ Hogard, if you haven't seen the clip, I mean, Tom Izzo was basically passionately talking to AJ Hoggard and AJ Hoggard is looking disinterested, I guess if, if that even gets a fair word to, to put it. And got a chance to talk to both of them about it yesterday. And Hogarth basically said like, yeah, I knew I was playing poorly. Like, like if I looked like I wasn't taking it well, it's because I like I was already being hard enough on myself. So, so he, he's like, sometimes as a player, like, you know, you're playing bad. You're beating yourself up. If a coach is going to come over and lecture you about it, sometimes you're, you're kind of like, yeah, I know. And that, so that was kind of the interaction from his perspective, um, but he also said, you know, I've, I've got to, um, you know, I got to recognize that, you know, he's looking out for my best interest and, and, and be a little bit more receptive to that, you know, Israel first parts said he's got no problem with AJ hogar a couple days later, he was pretty mad at him after the game, but a couple of days later, he said the two are in a good place and this is part of the process, you know, and, and getting a team to be playing the way he wants it to be in March, you know, this, this sort of stuff happened with Mateen. This sort of stuff happened with, um, you know, name your player, Denzel Valentine, Cassius Winston. Um, Most of the time for the, for the one that we see on camera during a game, there's probably 10 of them, you know, at practice or in a meeting or behind the scenes, maybe not quite that animated, but like, this is just how they operate. And I I think Izzo and Hogarth are particularly predisposed to it because they're very similar. They're both kind of hard-headed, um you know kind of stubborn guys um and AJ isn't um isn't shy about kind of giving it back so um and he's got a confidence to him that that I think leads to that so I it's it's kind of it's what comes with the territory when you're a point guard for Tommy so and the calendar says it's March um so it's anybody that thinks it's a negative or that there's going to be like you know there's a rift between them or anything long term I mean I that's just, that's just not the case. Um, that's not those two personalities and that's not how it works. And if, um, if AJ Holgaard plays well here in the NCAA tournament and, and plays like he did last year in the NCAA tournament, frankly, I mean, it's those types of moments that in their minds lead up to that.
0: Malik Hall played 23 minutes against the Buckeyes. Do we have any indication that he's going to be limited or not able to play his full accommodation of minutes?
1: No. Um, I, I mean, I watched practice uh, yesterday, um, and I, I know I'm not technically allowed to go into too many details about practice, but I think I'm allowed to tell you that he looked pretty good to me. Uh, he made some plays that um, did not look like a guy that tampered at all would make. Um, so um, I, I think he's okay. I think he just kind of had a bad day, whether he was just stiff or um, wasn't feeling good or, or was out of sorts. Um, I, it's kind of a day-to-day thing, and it changes for him, but I think he's... I think I think they're hopeful that that was just kind of a bad day and that it's mm-hmm. not he's not trending in the wrong direction. Um and that uh it just wasn't happening for him on that day. And and Israel said that he feels good about where he's at. He's talked to him um medically, like he didn't have a setback, there's nothing wrong. It's just it's a stress injury. It kind of doesn't really go away. Um and he's been playing through it and he he hasn't been a hundred percent. But um I, I think he can, um I, I don't think he'll there's reason to think he won't be like that. Again on um Friday, which is good because they're gonna need him against usc um I, I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll talk about usc in more you know detail coming up here, but they've got a really Tall and long perimeter, you know. I think they're like six seven, six eight, you know, a lot of guys in the perimeter. And and Izo came out and said, like, we need Malik Hall to be able to play a lot of minutes because um, you know, a a guy like Jade Nathan's out there is your three, um, is it, is gonna be overmatched. Not that he's not gonna play minutes and play a role here, but it, it's a better matchup for Malik Hall um in this game. So I think um it'd be concerning, you know, that he looked like that in any stance, but I think you really want to make sure that he's he, he's ready to go physically, um, given what they're looking at in, with USC here.
0: Mm-hmm. Helps that they have a Friday game. At least they got the extra day there. <clears throat> and yeah, Big Ten tournament. I mean, it's hard to say what happens because we we we've seen. You know, Ohio State was just. They were on a roll. You know, they're playing for their season. They were playing the third game in three days. Sometimes it helps when you've been in action and you've played other than a team that's been sitting around for two days coming in and playing. I think Michigan State fans will just want to chalk it up to that. And the good thing is, is we don't usually see carryover from the Big Ten to the NCAA tournament. They're usually two very different things. We've seen teams come in red hot uh, off the big 10 tournament and then get upset in the first weekend in the tournament and vice versa. So I think we can, you know, at least take sauce and there not being too much turnover. If you're a Michigan state fan, uh, if you look at the draw itself, I thought Michigan state from a seven seed standpoint, they did end up staying on the seven. I thought there was a slim chance they could drop down to an eight, but uh resume spoke for itself. They stay on the seven seed. They draw 10 seed USC. Uh, if they win that most likely it's Marquette who is a two seed and won the big East regular season and tournament, very solid team by all the counts but uh you know i guess if you're if you're stacking up all the two seeds against each other i don't think it's the worst draw for michigan state and then you've got you know teams like kansas state who have had a great season but sort of came out of nowhere kentucky who's underachieved duke who's red hot who's underachieved and then purdue who hasn't made a final four in forever so you know when you look at the top seeds in michigan state's region i think you can look at and be like yeah it's going to be hard obviously but it's it's not out of the question that maybe if they could get by marquette maybe they can make a little noise here but again, on the other side, we haven't seen them play with the consistency needed to win that many games in a row throughout March so, or throughout the season. So I guess what did you make of them staying on the seven seed, Kyle? And what do you think of the draw?
1: Yeah, I agree. Seven, seven seemed most likely eight seemed worst case scenario. Maybe they dropped. And I think they ended up being the third highest seven. So they, they weren't all that close to it. Um, Ohio State still had good computer numbers. So that loss actually didn't hurt them like I think some people thought it would. Um And yeah, it it seems crazy to me to say this because Marquette has lost one time since January 15th, Uh, won the big East outright, won the big East tournament. Um, But I, I agree with you. I still think that of the four, two seeds, that that's probably the one you want. Uh, I mean, maybe you can make a case for UCLA just because I know they just lost one of the best players and probably their best defender. Um, But I don't think you want Arizona. I think that's a tough matchup for you. And Texas just ran through the Big Twelve tournament, um, and, and that's a tougher league, I think, to um, and, and beat Kansas. I know Kansas didn't have Bill Self, but beat Kansas well um, in that title game. So I don't think you want Texas. Um, Marquette has had a great season, but he's not an overly talented team, you know, like they were picked, I think it was ninth in the big East in the preseason for a reason. Um, and, and that's all ancient history. But but the point is that they're not rolling out a bunch of NBA dudes here that are going to overwhelm you. You know, I think that, um, I think that they're managed. They, if we get to this matchup, it would be manageable talent wise um, with you. Um, Shaka smart has not been a very good tournament coach, frankly, um, for the last um 10 years really since that VCU run to the final four back in 2011. So um, I, I think Michigan State certainly has the edge there. Um, and listen, you're seven against a two. I mean, it's always going to be a tough matchup, but I mean, they had Duke last year with um, with that loaded lineup. I mean, this this potential seven versus two matchup, I think looks a lot more manageable than that one at least.
0: Playing in Columbus, too. I mean, you've got right. USC coming across the country. I mean, Marquette, obviously, favorable draw there. But uh, Michigan State could easily have the most fans in the building if it comes down to Michigan State Marquette. So uh, that's something to help the Spartans as well. At least they're not going across country, west coast. We've we've talked about it really in football and basketball. They've had issues going out west at times. So uh, I think it's good that they get to stay in the Midwest and play in an arena that they've played in plenty of times. What did you make of the draw, Matt? Uh, not a
2: whole lot. (laughs) I was on vacation. I was wrapping it up. (laughs) Didn't get get home till uh, late Saturday night and I'd work to do Sunday. I watched the the show like I always do, Uh, but I've not yet dove into the bracket. Um, I'm going to do that in a little bit, but just got home from, you know, we had football availability yesterday with Mel and then uh, first practice today. So, Long story short, I'm behind on the bracket other than uh, when I was in Tucson, I saw a number of signs about go Wildcats. So right off the bat, I think Arizona is my pick based on watching absolutely zero seconds of them uh, play this season, I believe. So, well,
0: well, all, all you need to know is that Arizona would have been an awful matchup for Michigan State because uh, Azulas Tubelis and Omar Bello are both frontcourt players that would have eaten them alive. So uh, mm-hmm. Michigan State is lucky they avoided Arizona. Um, but OK, we'll go back then. Kyle, let's talk about the teams that they're actually going to play. Here. Let's talk about USC, how they match up. Maybe I think it's a favorable matchup for Michigan State. As I mentioned, they're already going to be in the Midwest. They're going to have to travel across the country. Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson are really the two players uh, that, that really run the ship for USC. But if you look, you know, deeper in the numbers, Kyle uh, I mean, they're in the one fifties and three point shooting percentage. Um, they're not a great uh, rebounding team. Um, and, you know, so I, and they don't have a ton of length. They don't have a huge dominant big. So if you're looking at it on paper, those are the things you would worry about if you're Michigan state.
1: I mean, that's if I'm measuring like if a team is a good matchup or not for Michigan State, it's basically like, do you have a a big man that scores and is like, you know, six ten or larger. Mm-hmm. And if not, then you might be a decent matchup for Michigan State um, at this point because the teams that handle them pretty well obviously, Purdue, Indiana, they split with, but that was a tough matchup for them, you know, et cetera. So, um, and, and the good news for Michigan State is there's a lot fewer of those dudes per capita outside of the Big Ten than there are inside the Big Ten. So, um, you're not going to get one versus USC. You're not going to get one versus Marquette if that's the matchup. So, that's the good news. But USC, obviously, I mean, they will present their challenges. Boogie Ellis has been playing really well has a couple 30 point games um in his last six um first team all pack 12 so that's going to be an aj Hogard assignment i bet so there we talked about him being engaged and, and bringing his best i think they're going to really need him on defense um a lot this game i'm sure they'll have other people helping but i think that's that'll be a lot on aj Hogard. um but i think the guy um you know i'm shoot i'm blanking on names here where, where are we at um drew peterson Yeah, I I think he's the bigger problem probably for you uh, because I don't think they're as good defensively um, down at the fork. As as we mentioned, I think you need Malik Hall guarding some other of those bigger dudes on the perimeter. So um, if it's like a Joey Howard that has to check him, um, that's more difficult. And and anytime you've got, I mean, a big that's six nine that can shoot threes that well, and he passes well out of the post. um, I mean, he's a guy that can give you trouble. So I'm almost more concerned about him for Michigan state, but You know, centers, I don't see centers on either side playing a bigger role in this one, which is, I think, how Michigan State wants it. And yeah, you can rebound against this team. Um, They they don't, they're not particularly good uh, defensively. They're about the same offensively as defensively, so they're not going to shut you down. And I I think, um, I think it's a pretty decent matchup overall.
0: I agree. I think Michigan State should win it if they are the program. If Tom Izzo is still Mister March, this is a game they should win and set up a all likelihood a matchup against Marquette, which is a team that will be favored against them. Uh, they have the eighth best offensive efficiency in the country. Ironically, they they get a lot of those points in the two in the from inside the arc. Kyle, I was watching them in the Big Ten or the Big East tournament. And Marquette was just running their stuff uh, Kolek, their, their point guard and Cam Jones, those two guys are just hitting little floaters in the lane. Um, and then they're doing like kickouts to, to guys like David Joplin. They do have some guys in the front court, but again, not like a huge six, 10, guy who can put his back to the basket. So from that standpoint, I think it's okay for Michigan state. Um, and it's really just going to come down to the Spartans defense in this one because, uh, Marquette has been absolutely humming on the offensive side of the ball, particularly in running their sets. Uh, so obviously got to make shots, but, uh, Again, not a terrible matchup for Michigan State if they can bring the defense.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think they have a decent path to the Sweet 16, um, and um, and we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe Marquette just both past him, and I'm not giving them enough credit. But um, I think that's manageable for being a seven seed, to the Sweet 16. But I I look at the rest of this bracket, and I see a lot of good teams. I think it's a tough rest of the bracket. Um, obviously, you got Purdue up there at the top, but like. Um, I think Duke is playing. I mean, Duke's won nine straight going into the tournament. Would not surprise me at all to see them win this. Um, You could face Kentucky potentially. Kansas State's there. Um, They've been faltering a little bit, but Kentucky's playing better. And obviously they've got the talent. So um, that's a good six seed um, and a good five seed in Duke um, in your region on top of Purdue. And then you've got Tennessee up there, which has not been playing well as of late and they lost to Kai Ziegler to an injury, but um, the way they defend is still probably going to give them a chance in a lot of games. So I, um, I think they have a decent sweet 16 path. Um, and, and you'd never say a seven seed has a good final four path, but I think it would get considerably harder if they make it to New York.
0: Yeah. It's all, I could see them losing, you know, get, getting crushed by Marquette and that's that, or I could see them going on a crazy run I mean, with their, shooting ability if they get hot I mean they can take down anyone but we've also seen that they can lose to anyone if they don't bring it. so it's really hard to sort of handicap this Michigan State team and their potential for a run uh you know I do see some people picking them out there Jeff Goodman went on the field of 16 picked for the final four I think he's just trying to get some interaction with that but hey you can't ever count out time is when it comes to March. So, um, <clears throat> so let's just run through here. Look at the bracket as a whole. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on some quick things, Matt. I know you said you haven't really looked at the bracket, so maybe you don't have to uh, participate in this, but Kyle, who you got in the final four?
1: Uh, you know, uh, you asked me this right before, so I'm, I'm looking through you it. You want me um, to go
0: first while you look? Yeah,
1: you, you go first and then I'll, I'll have mine.
0: All right. I've got Alabama. I just think they're playing too well. Brandon Miller's too good. Uh, that'll be, you know, a little bit awkward at the final four, if Alabama considering everything that's going on there, if they're in the final four, I think I got to take them there. I do like Duke coming out of the East. Uh, it's a little bit risky because they're a very young team and we've seen them, uh, falter in places that we haven't before. Uh, but I just think when you've got four or five NBA players on your team and they're playing as well as they are right now, uh, they it's hard to count them out. So I I think Duke can go on a run there. Uh, When you look over on the other side, uh, I like, I like Texas out of the Midwest. Uh, You mentioned Kyle, they're, ran through the big uh, the big 12 tournament they've got at least four or five guys that can take over a game at any moment uh, interim coach there after Chris Beard left has has really got those guys playing well and you know Texas a team that often falters in March but I think this is the year that they can make a run uh, and get to the final four and then out of the west I am going to take Gonzaga uh, a little bit risky I know it's not vintage Gonzaga but I think this is an opportunity where uh, maybe people aren't on the zags this year and they could really take some people down uh also really like uconn i was between those two but uh i think i'm going to pivot towards the zags because you know they've been a popular pick in recent years and for some reason everyone thinks they stink this year uh but they've been playing very well they just blew the doors off st mary's in the west coast conference championship game so i'm going with those four
1: all right i should have gone first to have- several of the same but um uh, and I reserve the right to publish different things on my.com tomorrow morning. So I don't want I don't hear anyone calling me out for that. Um, <laughs> but I'm also going with, with Alabama. I mean, I, I don't know what to make of that situation because the off court stuff can certainly derail, um, a team, uh, cause there's a lot of attention on it, but I, I just can't pick a team that looks that darn good, um, in the SEC tournament. Um, and Brandon Miller is, um, is unbelievable. So I've, I've got Alabama and I think they've got a pretty decent draw up there. Um, I had Duke written down too, uh, because, like you said, one one nine straight going into it, they were not healthy. You know, kind of had guys in and out a lot of the season, and once they had their full team, that's re- really when they they got it going. So, um, I, I've I'm I've been dubious on Purdue. I was dubious on Purdue even before I saw their draw because they're Purdue they they haven't been to a Final Four since 1980. They're relying on two freshman guards. Um and that is just not the formula um in March. Maybe they'll surprise me, but experience and good guard play is what wins in this tournament. And Purdue doesn't have that. They have a, a very good big man, but that's um I'm I would not rely on that. So I'll take um I'll take Duke out of the East, the Midwest. I'll go chalk there and go with Houston. Um, I was tempted on a few others, but, and, and that is um, contingent on Marcus Sasser playing. Um, He, you know, he missed the big 12 tournament. I think the expectation, Brandon, you would probably know is that he's probably going to play um it looks like it based guessing. on the on the
0: odds Every I mean Vegas wouldn't have these odds out there if they didn't think Sasser was going to play
1: right so, it, it, Houston healthy with Sasser I know they're not in a power conference but I think they're playing really well uh, I think they've got a good coaching staff and they've got good players so um I'll go I'll go there although Texas I think is good Texas AM and could give them a, a game in the second round though um and my Texas I,
0: Texas A&M and Houston all in this bracket it's like yeah it's like a Texas party
1: um and then out of the west um I I guess I'll go UConn I was tempted Gonzaga too um UConn playing pretty well um in the big east down the stretch um I think I got good talent I like Sonogo. um and I mean Kansas has been good um but they fought a little bit late and uh, I guess Bill Self's gonna get a couple stents put in and, and roll back to the court and coach them um that's um, I mean that's a certainly an uncertain situation, and and it's hard to repeat as we know. So I'll take um, I'll take UConn um, in that one. Although I do love that UConn Iona uh, first round matchup. That's a juicy one. Well,
0: that's what I was going to ask you. What's your favorite match matchup of the first round? I,
1: um, know, like-, I like that one. I like. Um, I like Memphis Florida Atlantic because I honestly wouldn't shock me if the winner of that game gets Purdue. I guess I'm I'm very down on Purdue, but I think that's a a good eight, nine. And, we're, and uh, Illinois-Arkansas intrigues me mm. as well um, because I, I think both of those teams can be really, really good, like beat Kansas and go on a run good. When they're good, Arkansas has mostly been about injuries and getting guys back. Illinois just can't figure out what it is. But when they're good, they're very good.
2: So um, th- those are a couple that stick out to me. I just was going to say fail. Illinois. Sorry. I go shouldn't ahead, be going last, but I actually – when when Brandon started going, I started. I wrote down four – And just to prove, well, it's backwards and you probably can't see
0: it, but we got Arizona, Duke, Houston, UConn for Matt's final. So I took
2: three of the same four as Kyle, I believe, with the the only difference being I'm not picking Alabama just because I don't don't like anything that's going on there right (laughs) now. So I'm just out of spite saying I'll leave them out. But like Kyle said. Uh, I may change this later. This is the first time I've really looked at, uh, oh, this is barely a look, but actually looked at the bracket other than the selection show.
0: Um, I'll shout out that Arkansas-Illinois game too because I saw someone like, they're like Spider-Man meme, you know, those two teams, like teams that are super talented and should have won more games than they did, but are mm. now here in the 8-9 game. And I could see this thing going either way. I mean, what Illinois team are we going to get? I mean, this team early in the year looked like a top 10 team, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, they've stumbled down the stretch, looked pretty bad against Penn State in the Big Ten Tournament. Arkansas, similarly, Nick Smith is back now, uh, a team that a lot of people really like, has some length, has some athleticism, but lost baffling games during the SEC season. So it's like, which version of these teams are you going to get that show up? But I really like that game uh, for sure. Uh, give me
1: an upset special, Kyle. Penn State over Indiana. Let's do it. Yes. Um, nice here. Uh, I, I have been um, – I don't know. Something about Indiana has not sold me on them all year. Um, and I know Trace Jackson Davis is good. And I like how Jalen Chiffino has come along, but they have get like a lot of teams. I mean, they just have kind of some of these baffling losses and they really just don't show up. And I think Kent state's going to come in motivated. I mean, I think a team that did well in the Mac, I know they're not Toledo, but a team that did well in the Mac and won the Mac tournament at a 13 seems a little low to me. Um, so, um, I, I think that could be a good game. And if Indiana's not careful, I think they could drop that one.
0: I'll take the one that a lot of people like. Give me Furman over Virginia. I just think that uh, Mike Bothwell and Jalen Slauson can they're one of the best backcourts in the country, one of the best duos in the country, honestly. If you haven't seen Furman, I mean, this team can play, I think they can score the basketball. Virginia's. Biggest strength is obviously defense and playing like that. And Virginia just – they go in these – they have a lot of good players, but they don't really have that alpha. Ben Vanderplass, one of the best players, is hurt. Uh, And Virginia just – I can't ever buy into Virginia, Kyle. The pace, the way they play. I know they won a national championship a few years ago, but this isn't that team. Uh, I think Furman will be hungry. It's their first time in the dance in, what, 40 years. They got Heartbreak City in in their tournament game last year um, to miss the tournament completely, and I just think this team is on a mission to at least win one game. Uh, So I'll take that one, but it is a very trendy upset pick. So we'll see if it actually comes to fruition. You got one, Matt?
2: Uh, mm, no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, haven't what about, looked. I was going to say something ridiculous, but uh, then I realized that was going to eliminate one of my uh quickly picked final four teams. So, well, I mean, like historically
1: speaking, like one of the twos is probably going to lose, you know, like yeah. it's not, um, yeah. like I, I, I know we're counting. I guess I shouldn't be that down on Marquette. Vermont's in the tournament every year, man. Like, I'll just say that. Like, I don't think that's a walkover for Marquette. I think they'll win, but, um, that's that's probably a tell from 15
0: yeah Asheville with Drew Pember against UCLA against yeah, a banged that, up US, UCLA team too uh something to keep an eye on but none of us are going to have the stones to come out and say a 15's being a two no I'm not, not
1: picking not picking that for the record <laughs> um
0: what about a team that is at least lower than a five seed making a run it can just be sweet 16 elite eight you got something like that
1: I, I mentioned not- Mef- Memphis earlier. Sorry to cut you off um because I got in my head now. Um I, Like they just beat, and I know Houston didn't have Marcus Sasser, if we talk about, but they just won the AAC tournament, beat Houston, and they've shown that they can play with good teams. They lost by three at Alabama in December, um played Houston to two single digit games during the regular season and then beat them um in the conference title game and didn't lose a whole lot else, you know, coming at twenty-six and eight. Um Kendrick Davis, a uh, great player for them. Memphis always has good talent. Um and you know, one of those eights, like you know, talk about 15 always loses to a two. It seems like one of the eights always beats a one. Um and I actually think Florida Atlantic one of those teams that's like, it's hard to judge because they, you know, they're in one of these smaller conferences and come up with a great record and those teams can be hit or miss. But if they get past that, um, I, I think Memphis has some potential.
0: I like Creighton in the South. I think, uh, you know, between Ryan Hem- Nemhard, Baylor Scheilerman, Trey Alexander, Arthur Kaluma, and then Ryan Kaltbrenner, who can really anchor the, po- uh, the post both defensively and offensively. They're not deep. But that starting five is as good as anyone in the country. I think they can play with anyone in the country. Uh, this was a, the Big East preseason favorite to win the whole league. Uh, they were top 10 team preseason for a reason. They stumbled a little bit along the way. Uh, really thought that they, you know, that game in the, in the uh, tournament was, was very entertaining. I, I just think that this team can put it together and, and go on a run. Depth will be, concern, be a concern, and the road is not going to be easy. They would have to go through uh, NC State, Baylor, and Arizona. Uh, so it would it would be tough, but uh, I do think that Creighton has enough firepower experience uh, and, and coaching to, to go on a run here. So that would be my pick.
1: Great. Got one, Matt? Uh, number 13 in Ken Palm are six 60. Yeah. So
2: the yeah. analytics like you there.
0: Yeah. You want to pick anyone, Matt? Are you good?
2: No, no, no. You, you guys are covering it pretty well. I don't, I have, I don't watch enough basketball out of the Big Ten to uh, to be throwing out names of uh, all the random players that. Uh...
1: <laughs> I don't, well, I don't watch enough either, but I'm doing it anyway. So yeah, yeah,
0: it's March, man. Everybody picks it. My wife picks it. My dog had a bracket last <laughs> year, man. It's all good. Uh, none of us know anything. That's all that's all you need to know about this. But uh, anything else on, on Michigan State or March? I mean, t- before we get to football here, Kyle, I mean, 25 straight appearances. We should mention Tom Izzo now has the record as a coach, which is a pretty big accomplishment. I'm sure he downplayed it, though.
1: Um. Yes and no. I mean, I mean, he credited his his former players a lot, which I guess is the only way he downplayed it. But uh, the consistency means a great deal to him you know like like he would rather much rather be the guy there every year than somebody who rises up every few every few years even if maybe that meant of another final four or two like he the guy that's there knocking on the door year in year out uh he takes a lot of pride in being that and and now going to more consecutive tournaments than anybody in the history of the event um i i think it's some of these accomplishments he's reached as far as like total wins haven't meant as much to him uh i think this one means a great deal to him and it should
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the pinnacle of the sport. It's what you're looking for. That's where every team strives to be. And we've seen in recent years that even if you're a a top, you know, 10 program like Michigan State is, it's no guarantee that they're making the tournament. I mean, North Carolina is watching the tournament from home preseason number one this year. So yeah, say what you want about Michigan State the last few years. They've just sort of been blah, you know, not not sort of the standard that we hope for as, as Spartan fans, but the bad seasons are still get to the second round and lose guys, you know? So just keep well, it I perspective.
1: My, I guess my last word is that this team is more, every team wants to go on a run. So that, so say that first, but this team is more motivated to get to the second weekend than anyone I've covered because nobody on this roster has been to the second weekend. In fairness, part of that is because there was no tournament in 2020. Um, Malikall would have been on that team. It would have obviously a very good chance of going there, but Um, First round upset to UCLA Second round upset to Duke Um, You know, and these guys that are Leaving like Joey Howser, or thinking about leaving Don't want to be like the Michigan State dudes who couldn't get out of the first weekend. I mean, that history looms large over this program and these players. And there is a very, very deep hunger. They've And it didn't start this week. They've been talking about it since the preseason. You know, get out of the first weekend, get to the second round at least, um, and go or to the third round, I should say, this week 16, and go from there. Um, that's really kind of the rallying cry in this group and maybe what's
2: setting it apart more so than other ones. Remember the uh, the run that Mark uh, D'Antonio had where at least uh, everybody, you know, won a Big Ten championship each class. I Mm -hmm. can't even remember how many years it was in a row. And uh, that used to be an obvious point of pride. And we haven't heard about that in a while for (laughs) very clear reasons. So is that is that an adequate uh, way to transition into football there, guys? Yeah, for sure. I think so. I mean,
0: like I said, we, it's March, we're thinking hoops, but spring practice starting up soon. And Matt, you just had a chance to talk to Mel Tucker, several of the players. So uh, give us some of your takeaways.
2: Uh, I mean, the big things from, from talking to Mel yesterday was, you know, everybody wants to know about, you know, Peyton Thorne quarterback competition and Mel made it said, you know, we got an open competition at every spot, uh, you know, including quarterback, you know, Peyton knows that and, you know, be able to handle that and we talked to Peyton today and he said basically he's he said he's you know he's treating it like he does every other year you know he's competing um against the defense to be the best he can be not necessarily competing against the other guys in the room but you know he's a guy you know he's he knows the deal I mean this Peyton's a smart guy he grew up around the game his dad was a quarterback was a coach a, a grandpa was a quarterback he you know it, or his grandfather was a coach, uh, you know, he, he knows the deal. He knows he got to He has to play better than he did last year um, today admitted to, which I think, you know, Jay Johnson hinted at it last year. And I think Peyton kind of said that he didn't think it was the case, but today he said, he, you know, he admitted to trying to do too much at times last year, um, forced the ball in here or there. And, and, um, you know, and he was banged up, which, you know, he didn't use as an excuse, but, you know, said there were some, some tough weeks, but, so, yeah, I mean, there there's, you know, he's a two year starter and, and you have the head coach saying it's, you know, an open competition uh, quarterback, which, you know, every coach is going to say it's an open competition at every spot, you know, best players play that kind of thing. But I thought that was that was fairly notable. Um, and yeah, Peyton is not doesn't seem like a, the kind of guy that's going to take offense to that and, and, you know, puff and puff. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, I, I assume you guys talked about it last week when I was on vacation, but. You know, Brandon Jordan, uh, the pass rush specialist leaving for the Seahawks. Um, Mel said that he's looking to actually add uh, another secondary coach for that spot. Um, so uh, that, you know, that'll that'll be basically, you know, so Harlan Barnett has been the secondary coach since Mel took over the program. Mike Tressel was the safeties coach in 2020. Travis Tillman was a corners coach in 2021. And then last year. They just had the one of the 10 on-field coaches dedicated to the secondary in, in Harlan, and Mel took over corners. So, um, obviously, secondary could use um, some improvement again. Um, so, we'll be interested to see who, who he brings in. Um, and he said he hopes to have that done pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's – I mean, and for, and for fans, uh, a TBD on the spring game, April 15th, whether that'll be an actual spring game, which we haven't had since 2019, I believe. Um, canceled in 2020 for obvious reasons, and then it's been basically just glorified open spring practice the last two years because of being short-handed. Um, it was linebackers and corners in 2021, if I remember right, and then last year they had, I think they had five offensive linemen. You know, they had converted a couple walk-on D tackles. They just they didn't have the bodies up front last year. I mean, they were taking TV timeouts in in spring practices to get guys through reps it was a little ridiculous, but um 19 uh offensive linemen participating uh Mel said yesterday so no no shortage of guys up front uh at this point in time but um yeah I mean we we talked I guess the general theme talking from Mel and and four players today was <laughs> I mean we got to get better um you know big difference from last year when you were coming off that high or you, you know this um everybody like you know what's a you know Nobody expected him to win eleven games in a New Year's Six Bowl, and you did. So you're riding that, and then uh, you know you're now you're coming off five and seven, and and all the stuff that happened last year was uh, obviously not a good season, and so plenty of motivation to to get away from that, and and you know the, you know, I think that I don't even remember who was saying it was a Trey Mosley today, but there were guys you know that. Um, You know, the 2020 season served as motivation because, you know, they won two games, you know, with all the craziness and and think maybe maybe a little complacency sets in. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's just where they're at. Practice one and 15 today. And uh, we watched a few minutes of it. Nothing really big to report. Um, And we got some uh, uh, alumni in town for the pro day, which is tomorrow. So Jaden Reed was out there throwing passes and working with receivers today, which is kind of interesting um chatted briefly with him and Bryce Beringer and and those would be two of the you know 15 or so guys that are uh uh going to participate in pro day tomorrow
0: it's a big year for Michigan State football and Mel Tucker I mean year year four now really year three but year four coming off a bad season uh they got to win some games this year they got to get that thing moving right yeah. in, the, in the right direction and there certainly has been a talent influx now so uh big year coming up didn't want to get out of here before uh one last piece of basketball news right Kyle
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Just just real quick, uh, Susie Merchant uh, stepped down on Monday. Um, You know, if you followed it all this year, you know that she had a health incident in January, which led to uh, a vehicle accident and and her being hospitalized for a little bit of time. Uh, She took the rest of the season off to recover um, and now, you know, a week or so after the season, she's ended her 16-year tenure uh, at Michigan State, which included 10 NCAA tournaments and um, two Big Ten titles. So, obviously, had her success had fallen off a little bit in recent years, but this is, I think, more about her health than anything else. So. We wish her well. Uh, but, you know, Alan Haller is going to have, um, an important hire to make. He's made quite a bit of them. Matt and I were talking about that earlier, but you know, if, if you can get women's basketball going, man, that can be a lot of fun. Um, you know, we've seen what's happening in Iowa. If you get a Caitlin Clark, who's, you know, probably generational <clears throat> player, but, um, you know, Indiana's gotten it rolling and it's been a really big deal there. So, uh, a good opportunity here for Michigan State to kind of rejuvenate a program, I think.
0: Yeah, I covered Central Michigan women's basketball for three years when they were good with Stu Guevara and Crystal Bradford and all those girls and went to the, they were going to the tournament making runs and it was really fun. I mean, mm-hmm. some of those games were more fun to be at than the men's games. So <laughs> say women's basketball, I, I would say Susie did a solid job. She had some high moments that you just mentioned. It, it could be better than it is right now. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I think, I think the program has potential to be better than it is right now. So, uh, we'll see who they bring in there. It will be interesting to watch. Uh, and we will continue to track it all. Matt will stay on top of spring football as it starts to unfold. And Kyle will be in Columbus on Friday, uh, 1215. It's the first tip of the day on CBS. So state fans, uh, you won't have to wait all day. You won't have one of those late night tips, uh, in your mood for the rest of basketball on Friday is probably going to hinge on that game. But, uh, Hopefully, for Michigan State, they can at least get that one done and set up uh, what appears to be a matchup against a rolling Marquette team. That's going to do it for today's episode. Kyle Lawson and Matt Wessel. I'm Brandon. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Conference Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. And we'll be over.